Hey, welcome to another edition of the Cup Pro Wrestling Podcast. My name is Randy Zellia of BackSportsPage.com, and with me is my tag team partner, the one and only Emma Rito Rivera. M, part two of Diamond Dallas Page, the master of the Diamond Cutter, bang, and DDPY. And uh, just to really quick before we go to part two of this interview, let's quickly reflect back a little bit on our time of talking with DDP. I got to tell you, what a great interview. What a great guy. And uh, it certainly was a lot of fun. How cool is he that he sat there and told us all those stories? I mean, uh, like we, we were talking earlier and I likened it to like a, a, an uncle sitting down with his nephews and just regaling them with, with stories uh, and tales of the past. Like we sat there and we listened to this and we were in awe, man. Like he, he took that much time out to talk to us was pretty cool. It was a lot of fun, and we encourage everybody to try DDP Yoga. Go to uh, go to his official website or go to his social media handles for all of it. And speaking of social media handles and finding great content, you can go to BackSportsPage.com, listen to the archives of our show. And if you don't want to go to the website, you want to listen to it on your phone, good news. We're on Spotify. We're on iTunes. We're on Google Podcasts. Wherever you like going to listen to things on YouTube, we're there too. Check out the Cut Pro Wrestling Podcast on all of your podcast platforms. You know, I actually found us on SoundCloud as well. <laughs> <laughs> and SoundCloud too, yes. I put a couple episodes of us on SoundCloud. <laughs> and so, like I said, we are everywhere, so check us out. And also, this portion of the show is brought to you by our good friends at Level 1 Games. Em knows something about that. Take it away. Yeah, I, listen, if you're into games, whether there be current games, retro games, card games like Pokemon, Magic, we got it all. Come check us out. We're in Pompton Plains, New Jersey. Uh, stop by. I'm always there. Happy to talk wrestling. Happy to talk about the products we, we sell. It's a great place. Very community-based. So come check us out. That's level1games.com. But enough about us sitting there rambling on. We know what you're here. You want to listen to the Master of the Diamond Cutter. So take it away, DDP. I, I had to ask this question of just transitioning into wrestling a little bit about AEW and your appearances that you made and your relationship with Cody and uh, his family. Can you talk about the success that they're having and your your experiences working with them behind the scenes and on camera? Well, it all started when Cody um, when Cody made that claim that he thought that him and the Young Bucks and Kenny Omega could draw 10,000 people at a, at, a, at a wrestling hall, you know, at a arena. And Meltzer saying, well, Cody is a little bit, you know, he's a real rambunctious there. Uh, I think they could draw 4,000 people though, which is unbelievable at that time for independent wrestling. Like the biggest thing that fucked, the biggest thing that COVID fucked was wrestling yeah because independent wrestling was insane and i'm talking about the uk mexico japan mm-hmm. you know usa i mean it was unbelievable and when cody said that yeah <laughs> i remember cody i gotta give you this backstory i remember cody i've been mentoring him since he was 12 not so much today. He pretty much does his own thing. But if he, if he wants any advice, I'm always there. He knows that. Uh, but when he was 14 years old, 
I was getting ready to go into WWE. And his dad had a company called Turnbuckle. And it was summertime, you know, so he kept getting ready to play football. He said, when you start football practice, I was getting, you know, get ready to go in the ring and just knock off some of the rust. And he's like, I'm not gonna play football this year. I'm like, what? I like spoke to two of his teams when they were, because I was like a god at that time, you know, especially to those kids. And uh, I'm like, what do you mean you're quitting football? You love football. He goes, well, he goes, I do. He said, but I want to focus on wrestling because not this year, but next year, I'm going to win the States. I'm like, wow. And the funny part is I always called him Young Buck back then. Really? Like, yeah, always. And I said, well, young buck, I said, you know, if that's going to take you, he goes, yeah, I have to work my ass off. I go, hey, that's what you do best. So bottom line is I moved to L.A. WWE didn't work out for me. And I just wanted to go out to Hollywood and do, and do my thing as an actor. And I would, the guy you guys talked to set up the thing, Marlon. Marlon and, uh, you know, knew Cody um, and, uh, he, uh, we were talking, he goes, Hey man, you see what Cody, uh, you know, he's, he's on a roll and you know, uh, his junior year. So I call him up. He's 11 and oh, and I'm like, Oh, it's awesome, man. Just you know, keep, keep up putting the work in. Then I called him and he was 22 and oh, then I called him at 30 and oh, and he was excited and he said, uh, oh, Dallas, oh, God, I go, it's been amazing. I mean, I, I mean, I just, I just was, they interviewed the paper there, the paper interviewed me and, and Dusty always calls, not always, but a lot of times he calls that Dusty, but Dusty and, and he, uh, and you just don't know that he, they came to interview, you know, and Eyewitness News is interviewing us. I go, I just don't know. I go, well, back up, young buck. I think I might have an idea. Well, I know, I know. I got, I think I was a three-time world champion. Uh, no, I don't mean it like that. I got, I'm just busting balls. <laughs> I said, listen, man. I said, now you got bullseye on your back. So, you know, probably a good thing if you, uh, you know, really keep your feet flat on the ground. You know, keep reaching for the stars, bro, but keep your feet on the ground everybody's bucking for you right now. And I said, and if you, if you get to the state championships, I'll be there. He said, really? I said, yeah. He goes, you're going to come from LA to Atlanta. I said, yeah, I'll be there. And I was there and I watched him go 48 and O that year. I mean, it was, it was impressive. And uh, the next year, over that, over no, matter of fact, that summer, <laughs> this is, we were talking about Rob Zombie, right? Yeah. Okay, well, I'm going to pull it down for you. It'll be too hard for me to put it up there. Oh. Um, Cody, I told him, if he, uh, if he, uh, you know, won the States, I'd bring him out to LA because you always want to be an actor, you know? Okay. So this is me, Kimberly, oh. Rob Zombie, and Cody right there. Wow. Okay. And he just go, it was like a dream thing for a kid to go through. Then I took him to the set because he'd never seen a set before. So my buddy, Terry Cruz, who is really nobody at the time. And I told him, I was like, 
keep an eye on this guy, Terry Crews. He's going to be one of the biggest stars in the world. And there's Terry. Holy crap. And Cody. And I can't remember that girl's wow. name, but she's gorgeous. And this, this is on the, on the set of, um, on the set of, um, God, what was that plane movie that they did? Um, I can't remember the name of it, but it was a super funny movie that they did where they were on a plane. And it was like it was like a, a, a spoof on airplane, and uh, it, it was funny. Either way, Terry had a job being on there. He was like a um, he was like the security guard or something. Was it Soul Plane? Soul Plane, yes, yes, <laughs> yeah, yeah. So. Uh, um, <laughs> But I told him he's going to be a big star, man. And uh, I mean, Terry Crew is one of the, he's one of the most talented guys and most driven guys I've ever met and super sweetheart individual. Um, he actually, I, he changed his number a million times since back then, but always had his email. And just for the hell of it, I emailed Terry. And I said, any chance you'd, uh, you know, give me a blurb for my Positively Unstoppable book? I was and, about uh, to bring that up too. <laughs> <laughs> and Terry Crews wrote, I want not only write you a blurb, I'll read the book. And he meant <laughs> it. And he put great book, DDP's honesty about his own issues, followed by methods of systematically attacking each one with action and confirmed by real world examples makes this book a powerful tool for those who want to move from constant failure to constant success. Wow. And that's something oh, that's I wanted crazy. to touch on before we let you go was your book. This is the second book you wrote. And yep. actually the third. It, the first it, one was Positively Page. Yep. Then the next one was um, Yoga for Regular Guys, which I wrote with my buddy, Dr. Craig Aaron, which was really, back then, it was, I made this workout for guys. Uh -huh. And I figured if we do it with the book, let's do a little tongue in cheek. And I used to say, most yogis are very namaste. Y-R-G, way more T-N-A. <laughs> and and, and so many women started loving the program that T-N-A would become tone and attitude instead of what it meant originally. Exactly. <laughs> uh, and, uh, you know, we wrote, it, it was kind of funny, you know, at points, you know, we make fun of shit, but about the workout, we were stone cold serious. And really when Doc was like asking me, so, you know, we going to make money off this book, you think? I said, no, not really. He's like, what? I go, why are we, why are we, why are we writing it? I said, it's kind of like the, the thing that's going to give our company, because this isn't going to be the ending, this is the beginning, it's going to give us um, credibility because mm -hmm. we're published. And that's what it did. And when Arthur's video, when Arthur's video went bada boom, you couldn't find that book anywhere. And if you did, it, it, right now on, on, uh, on uh, eBay or whatever, it's 50, 60, 80 dollars. Back when Arthur's thing went crazy, it was 200 bucks minimum if you could get it. So that was pretty cool. And then they went, do you want to reprint? I'm like, no, 
I don't want to see it for a dollar ninety nine somewhere. Exactly. I want to see it friggin' you know, one hundred sixty because it's it's wealth of knowledge, you know. So back to Cody. So bottom line is that senior year he lost his twelfth match and something twelfth or eleventh, something like that. So I called him, hey, young buck, how you doing? Now I know what happened, but you know I'm not going to sell it. He's like Dallas, I lost, fucking lost. I said, thank God. He's like, what? Why would you say that? I said, code. I said, you think you learn anything from winning, bro? You learn from losing. You learn from falling down. You learn from making mistakes. I said, you have the advantage here. I said, what did you learn? And, you know, kid's super sharp, you know? And I go, exactly. That's what you learned. Let me tell you why this is advantageous to you i said that kid he thinks he beat you i said would you rather have met him being 44 and 0 in the quarterfinals and he beat you then mm-hmm. well hell no i go exactly he thinks he beat you he doesn't know who cody rhodes is even though his name is cody runnels i always call him cody rhodes and uh <laughs> I went out there for, oh, the funny part was Cody changed his style of wrestling. Because one of the things he realized, no one wanted to be pinned by Cody. So they would do everything they could just not to make it to three periods and not get pinned. Well, as soon as he figured that out, he'd take them down and he'd let him back up. Like literally get off them, take them down get back up, take them down, get back up, take them down, get back up. And then finally just pin him. (laughs) He was in the craziest shape I've ever seen him in that senior year. And they're about to start the match. And in Georgia, when you're in the state finals, you have five chairs sitting on the mat family. Cody goes, dad, dad, get Dallas down here. And he pulled me down there and I sat on the, uh, 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 with the family there. And uh, it was super cool. And he ate that same kid who was undefeated. He ate him alive. And that's when he came out to LA, did all that stuff. So there was no question. I thought it was the greatest move ever, but ballsy as hell. Oh, yeah. The greatest movie when he left W when he left WWE and took no, you know, you guys don't see me as a top guy. I do. I'm going to go prove you wrong. That shit I would do, you know, so I, it's shit Dusty would do, you know, yeah. so I loved it. And then when he said a 10,000 people thing and then um. I said to him around then, let you know the the young bucks have their thing that I know you do with them, their elite TV. I go, let us do some stuff for you. Don't cost you nothing. And we just started doing vignettes for Cody. Mm-hmm. And then eventually, once they got the deal uh, with um, with uh, Tony Khan, you know, I told him, I said, uh, you know we've been doing this shit for six months. (laughs) So now you got money. The first three are free. Here's the, you know, the nephew rate, 
you know, and it was a, a pittance of what a production company would charge. And since then, they've given us a raise. But we do, you know, my, my business partner, Steve, you oversees all that stuff. And they know now, they now know what a genius he is. Um, and one of the really cool things about that documentary, like I cramped my hamstring, um, one of the things that they know, um, you know, that, you know, the documentary, it's going to come out relentless. We had it finished a year, a year ago, and we were so busy that we didn't do it. Cause when you have a documentary done, you have to send it to the lawyers and you got to make sure you can do everything. And yeah, you know, that they'll sign you a letter that, and our lawyers, did you ever see the movie Blackfish? Yes. Okay. That lawyer friggin' represented the people who made that film because you know SeaWorld, if they could have crushed those people, oh, yeah. they would have. But they couldn't say shit because they did it all the right way. Well, that's how we did Resurrection and we do anything we do. We make sure we're doing this like this. If not, the lawyer goes, no, no, you can't do that. So we had it all ready to go, but life got in the way and we were so busy. And I was like, man, I was like, I was pissed that we hadn't done it. And then I did that match for AEW. Uh-huh. And that was all Cody's idea. Like, Oh, was it? Yeah, my idea was my my idea was the interview because I wanted to say if you'd have told me 19 years ago that DDP would be back on TNT with a company called AEW, I'd have to say you were smoking crack. You know, because what are the odds of that? Who would have ever guessed that yeah. in the last 15 years? Like, no way. That will never happen. Never say never, especially in wrestling. And uh, to be out there. But Cody put the Cody put everything together. He put together the, you know, who was in the matches. He put together the, you know, the, the ending, the finish, everything. And he said, and then you'll go through, you'll blow a comeback, you do whatever you want to do out there. And then you're gonna come off the top rope and splash everybody. Yeah. And that and was I memorable. Yeah. yeah, dude. But I just looked at him like, and he didn't tell me, like, when we started, he told me, the, you know, three days before we're going to do it. And I was like, listen, I want everybody there to run through. I don't want, you know, I've been in the ring exactly. and really worked in 15 years, you know. Uh, and I wanted it to be, I wanted it to be amazing. And what happened when I do a close like what I would do to clothesline and someone ducks it and I catch them in a in a diamond cutter? Well, I hadn't done that, you know, friggin'. I had to teach the younger guys how to do that. So what had happened, I had pulled a muscle oh. in my in my back after about 30 of them, like oh. showing them how to do it. Cause I gotta pull them back in and they gotta just dance with me. And mm. So now he's telling me, and I'm gonna, I can't even get on top of the top rope on the one where they have it to school because they're loose on TV. They're like steel, like yeah. they don't move. You know, you're good. And uh, so, bottom line is, I wouldn't see my doc and he worked on me. And 
And I did DDPY for four hours for that big start <laughs> on and off all day. So I was warm as shit. And when I went off that top rope, those people lost their minds. And the backstory to that is 31 years earlier, my first week in professional wrestling as a manager for Bad Company. Hold on. This is the first day I was ever in. Oh, this gets why I love this wall here. Like, it isn't just stories, it's like show and tell. <laughs> this is my first day in for professional wrestling, AWA. That's um, Pat Tanaka in the middle, one of the Diamond Dolls before him, behind him, uh, Paul Diamond and me. And the only reason that I'm not towering over them is because my legs are spread like this. <laughs> so, uh, so um, God, what was I bringing that up for? Um, and my brain's a little foggy today. Um, I brought that up about AWA. What was I talking about? Come on, tell me. What was I talking about before that? You're talking about AW Tony in the top. Okay, got it, got it, got it. So, so um, that week, that 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 day, you filmed four shows, and the and the um, bad company was feuding with the Guerrero family, Hector and Mondo, Eddie's brothers, uh -huh. and um, um, I. Uh, we got to the end of the fourth show, and those guys just told me, when we go out to the floor, you come to us. So I come over to them and I help them up, and here comes Mondo running, runs right up on a top rope, and explodes off that top rope, doing the whole layout. And I'm like, what the fuck? <laughs> I'd never seen that, especially from that angle. And he came down on us. And, and I thought, that's my first. I used to have the picture of me like this, you know, and Pat and Paul did that. And I would have loved to put that picture. Hold on. Hold on. Hold on. It's over here on, the, on one of the other walls, on one of the wrestling walls. I would have loved to put that picture right next to that picture. Oh, wow. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> That's a good picture. <laughs> That's such a good picture. Oh, my God. You know, it, positively unstoppable, the art of owning it is all about owning the six-inch piece of real estate between your ears. And um, I made it as a blueprint for people to help people do my program. That's really who I wrote it for. It's for everybody, but... I really just did it because I wanted to help them own their lives. And everything comes down to the story you tell yourself. So I'm getting ready to do that. I could break my neck. I could tear my ACL. I could fuck myself up. Yeah. You know, so that could be the story. And that part wanted to come into my mind. But two days out, that shit was gone. The only thing I, as soon as anything will come my head, I go, this is gonna be amazing. I wanna blow people away. I'm gonna jettison off there like Mondo Guerrero. This is gonna 
blow everyone away. Anytime I thought of it, that's the only thing I would let think. And when I went out there, this is going to be amazing. I'm going to blow them away. This crowd's going to lose their mind. That's all I would say to myself. Mm-hmm. Didn't need to say it out loud, but I bet you I said it out loud a bunch of times to myself too. And it's all about the story you tell yourself. So you got to stop telling yourself about I'll try it. Fuck, try it. There is no try. There is only to do. Now, Yoda didn't say it like that, but I said it like that. But it's close enough. There is th- no try. Yeah, I think I'm going to pick up your book. I was looking at it earlier, and I am I am that guy you're talking about where I will sit there and think of a thousand reasons why I won't do something, and I don't let the positive thoughts in. You know, like I'm my own worst enemy. I'm, I'm always up in here. So that's something I, I'm, I'm planning on reading. I'm going to check it How out. How old are you now? How old are I'm, you now? I'm uh, 39. Okay. You know, 39, my career still hasn't taken off yet. Like anything, anything can happen. You know, anything can happen. Like your whole life could be so different a year from now. Exactly. Like you don't know. But you, I'll guarantee if you keep thinking like that, it'll be exactly the same or worse. Exactly. You know, so it's all about, you know, the decisions you make. And then, you know, luck, you got to be lucky. But luck is preparation meaning opportunity that's what luck is because fuck luck you know you got to make your own luck and that's the driving force i think i said it to you guys right before i i got you know got on the show i was doing a thing about guys wanting to do a docu-series with me and i said by the way uh that like 600 pound life thing that is such a fucked up show for the reasons of, it's not trying to help those people. They come off like they're trying to help, but they never get anywhere. Mm-hmm. I've got 600 pound people that I've helped. It's really changed their lives. You know, you can do that if you really want to. And I won't do anything like that, I told them. I said, and I want to be able to say, fuck that. And that food is garbage. Like you couldn't pay, Coca-Cola couldn't pay me $10 million to say Coke is great. Coke is shit. Yeah, really you know, is. I tell people all the time, I'd rather you drink regular Coke than diet Coke. I'd rather you snort Coke than drink Coke. And, <laughs> I, and I'm fucking around when I say that. Yeah, of course. And, and Coca-Cola as a company, they have a lot of good products now. But that's the reason, the only reason why is because people are getting smarter. You know, Mm-hmm. And they want to be healthier. Oh, but I don't want to lose the taste. Like back to my app, like my cooking, my nutrition section, everything tastes fucking amazing. And it's super healthy, but it tastes amazing because I don't give a fuck how good something tastes, if it, how, how healthy something is. If it don't taste good, I'm not eating it. Exactly. I don't have the time. I'm, this shake, this shake I'm drinking, my oh. girl Paige made for me is ridiculously delicious ridiculously see and i think that's where we all fall into that habit of just eating what tastes good and drinking what tastes good and normally it's all the bad stuff you know (laughs) yeah Yeah. i think we're all guilty of that at some point (laughs) um dallas my my last question for you and it's 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 a fair one because 
I remember listening to your Hall of Fame speech and your reference to the American Dream, Dusty Rhodes, and how and mm. I'm reading up and, and how important Dusty was to you uh, personally and professionally. Can you talk about because I had not spoken to you since Dusty passed on uh, your on how much Dusty meant to you? Can you go into that a little bit? Yeah. <laughs> uh, back here, this is my favorite picture with a dream, and I got a bunch of them in here. Um, Where's that other cigar picture? What the hell? What's the one? I moved that somewhere. Mm, that's weird. Oh, this is this is a great this this picture right here is Dream and I 33 years ago wow. at a Willie concert. And this is Dream that night singing with Willie. <laughs> How oh, cool is that? That's right? awesome. <laughs> but, that is awesome. Uh, you know, Dream, he uh, he really liked me. Uh, Michael Graham, God bless his soul, he, uh, he was, you know, his dad, Eddie Graham, taught Dusty so much. And so the Graham family and, and Dusty were, sir, you know, they were super together. And Dusty, when, when, when Ted Turner bought the NWA, and he wanted it to be world championship wrestling. They wanted Dusty to turn heel. And he was like, fuck you. And he left. And he was going to go back to Florida, he figured, and repop that territory. Just two years earlier, Florida was killer. And, and uh, he came down and Michael Graham called me. And I got on the, he, he, he you know, it was late at night. I had strep throat. I had to go leave for do something for AWA the next day. And I worked one day a week, one day a month with the AWA. And we do four shows for a month. It'd be on ESPN. Um, so Michael calls me up and I got strep throat and I'm trying to get to sleep early. It's around 1230 when he called and he's like, Hey Dallas, uh, Michael Graham, pick up the phone. I pick up, Hey Mike, how you doing? He's like, Hey, I'm here with Dusty Rhodes. Uh, we want to, uh, uh, you know, he, he wants to bring in, kind of come back to Florida. We're going to pop this territory. And uh, he wants to bring in Baby Doll or Humperdinck or Gary Hart. And, uh, you know, I told him about you. And uh, I want you to get him on the phone with Dusty Rhodes. I want you to blow him away like he's the biggest marker on the planet. I'm like, what, Mike? I got nothing prepared. I got strep throat. <laughs> he's like, I go, let him show, show him my videotape I sent you. He goes, my tape machine's broken. You're up. And I hit, oh, and good God, that's the road, the tower of power. But man, I, I just spit out shit for 40 seconds. And then at the end, it went, oh, Dusty, that's all I got. I, I got strep throat. Hello? <laughs> <laughs> hello? Hello, Dusty? It felt like it was five minutes. It was probably 30 seconds, you know. But he was ribbing me. And he says, <laughs> Was that a recording, kid? <laughs> and I said, "No, that's me." He goes, "He goes, I want to meet with you." He goes, "He goes, get with Michael, and we'll set up a meet." So I went up there, and I wear my cowboy boots and my jeans and my tight shirt, and fucking, you know, I come in that room. It's Gordon Soley, Mike Graham, Steve Kern, and Dusty Rhodes. And when he grabbed my hand, boy. I just, 
I just felt like I knew him all my life because we were so much alike and like-minded. And uh, he had me said, so tell me about yourself. And I did. I talked about 20 minutes. And he listened. He said, you know, you know, kid, I see you. You could be, I see a little bit of Jesse in you. I see a little bit of Captain Lou in you. And I see a little bit of me in you. So here's what we're going to do. We're going to put you with Gordon Soli. And you're going to be the Jesse Ventura of the 90s. And I was like, uh, Jesse was the main reason it made me come back to wrestling. Because I was so blown away by how great an announcer he was and great character. And, and I'm like, uh, Dusty, uh, I... I never say I can't do something, but I really, I, I can't do that. I don't know a wrist lock from a wristwatch. He said, don't worry about it, kid. Gordon Foley going to walk you through it all. Oh, wow. and, and he did, you know, Gordon. And what really became interesting, I wanted to, I wrestled three times in 1979. This little independent things. And blew, you know, blew my right knee up when I got hit by a car when I was a kid. And took me out of the game. But my goal was to be a professional wrestler at 23. You know, it was my dream since I was 17. Really probably eight years old. But real dream at 17. And uh, so three matches in 79. And so I really don't know what fuck wrestling is still. And so I would go up there. Days that we did uh, TV and do TV. Dusty would bring me in the booking meeting. And he would ask me, so what do you think, Dallas? Like, he wanted my energy in the room. He wanted me, like, I thought I knew what I was talking about. And he, uh, I would come up there one day a week, and I'd get in the ring with Mike, with Steve Kern, and who was ever there, well, it was Kendall Windham or whoever. And, and, uh, and then I'd go up, and after two hours, just feeling what the bumps felt like, Oh. even though they hurt like shit because I didn't know how to take them. Uh, but I wanted to be able to talk about that, you know, and uh, I'd sit up there with Dusty for hours. And at some point, like that, that picture of us, uh, my second fiance, first three times I got, I got married. I got engaged three times forever got married. Uh, but that second fiance, that one, that one tore me down a little bit when we broke up and, Dusty, who lived in Tampa at the time, with Michelle, Dust Cody's mom, would they came down to uh, Fort Myers and took me and my boys to the Willie concert, oh, wow. and uh, it was super cool. Uh, without Michelle, <laughs> or as Dusty used to call her, Shelly, um, I never would have uh, been able to do what I did because when. When I would call, because I just call him when he went left and became the polka dot guy, you know. And the funny part is, is that that was a total rib on the cowboy. Like, how do you not bring in Dusty Rhodes as a fucking cowboy? Like, how the fuck do you not do that? Well, you do it if you're meant to ribbon him. And let's see if he can get this over. Oh, he did. You know, he did. Um and he had a lot of great main event matches. And um, 
but his body was getting torn and beat up and you know he got that opportunity to come back to WCW and over that period of time between it was like a year or so maybe a year and a half and uh, I uh, would call him every once in a while and Michelle would answer the phone and she'd say Dallas he's not here now but I'll make sure he calls you back and he did and you know Dusty Rose the way I know him today and think I knew him back then. Like the odds that he ever called me back were like, Cody sucks on the phone. He's got the same thing. He sucks on texting sometimes, but he gets a million, he gets a million texts. So I get it. Uh, but uh, bottom line is, uh, you know, uh, he did call me back. And then when he came back to WCW, he gave me an opportunity as a manager and five months into actually having a contract, I had by this time had the free birds, which he gave me. Michael was another guy that I met in AWA when they were doing something with Memphis and Dallas and AWA. And me and him just clicked. And we ended up in a car, Jerry Jarrett's car, who was running Memphis. And um, God, I can't remember the guy. He had his booker who was shitting shotgun and me and Mike were in the back drinking beers. And he was smoking and blowing it towards Jerry because he wanted to piss Jerry off. <laughs> but, <laughs> but Michael PSH, who was a big star back then, he uh, he would call me back. If I if I called him, left a message, he'd call me back, which, again, blew my mind. But he liked me. And when I came into WCW to manage the Birds, two of the greatest talkers of all time, and... Uh, Jimmy Jam. And both of those guys could just talk, freaking, they could talk their way out of anything or into anything. And uh, they didn't need a talker. But Michael said to Jimmy, he said, this, you know, he, he really understood that I loved the business. I wasn't in there to be a, uh, a TV guy. I was there because I love wrestling. And he said, We're he's got chops. He goes, let's give him the shot. We're going to start off with our backs to the camera you just come through us and do your thing at the end we'll turn our look over our shoulders and talk about baptism by fire and so I was managing the birds I created Scott Hall's gimmick uh, the diamond stud at the time uh, he needed a job bad I got it for him uh, and me managing him and then at some point Magnum TA came up to me and told me you know D you're doing a really good job with the color commentating with Eric Bischoff, uh, which I was, we were fourth string, you know, two o'clock in the morning, Moose Breath, Iowa, our shows might've been playing, you know, uh, but uh, he's like, we can't let you manage anymore. I'm like, what, what did I do wrong? He goes, nothing. I go, then why, why the fuck can I manage anymore? And he's like, oh, the hair, the clothes, the bling, the wrap the dolls you're taking too much attention away from the from the boys and and to his credit he was right on so many things he would tell me scott hall he was like d you're like you're too much you got to back it down and i didn't agree and he was right and i was wrong and so i said to mags i go he goes it's not your fault you know it's it's what we should have done is put a pair of tights and boots and see if you can do this shit. 
I was 35 and a half. Now, Dusty didn't have the heart to tell me. So he had Magnum do it. So I will never, for, I'll never forget it as long as I live. I was waiting at the curtain in the Chattanooga, uh, Chattanooga Coliseum. And it was a big blue curtain. That's their colors, blue and something. And uh, the birds come up. And these guys are the biggest rivers and fuck with you that you can imagine. Michael and Jimmy. But they came up super empathetic. And they felt bad for me. And they, you know, like, hey, kid, you know, it's like, you know, shit happens. It's a business and blah, blah, blah. And I was like, and they really, you could tell they really were like trying to console me. And then I said, well, you know what? I never got in this business to be a fucking manager. I got in this business because I wanted to be in the ring. I said, I'm going, I got seven months left to my contract. I'm going down to power plant. I'm going to learn how to wrestle. And I swear to you, they looked at each other like this and went, ha, 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 ha. <laughs> They just, <laughs> Michael fell down. He was laughing so hard, he fell down. And uh, I was like, fuck you both. I'll see you in the ring. And, you know, five years later, 1996, I'll leave you with this story. Fucking, uh, I'm, I have a match with Sting. Of course, Sting goes over. But we had about a 10-minute match. And I came up with all of it. And Stinger, being the sweetheart that he is, he liked it. I mean, there's no reason why Sting should let me do some of the things I did. But he liked me. Today, we're still super tight. And uh, I got home that next day. You know, back when we had the answering machines. And you know, I just let it go to the, I'm walking out the door and I'm, I'm letting it go to the machine. And I hear, page, yes. And I fuck Michael. And he's talking. I run to the phone. I pick it up. Yo, Mike, what's up? God damn. Stop. Son of a bitch, motherfucker. Mike, Mike, what's the matter? What's up? Page. You know, sometimes you don't want to talk to somebody. You just want to leave a fucking message. I said, yeah. I go, you want me to hang up so you can leave a message? No, no, fuck it. Hey, saw your match last night. You and the Stinger. Damn. I got to be honest with you, kid. I have never been so happy to eat crow in my life. He goes, great job. Click. <laughs> 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 and, uh, like that, that's in my Hall of Fame speech, that story. You know, because it was a moment. Another amazing moment, 1997, probably around January or February. I hadn't seen Jake in a long time, probably a year or so. I didn't even talk to him. And I pick up the phone and I hear, congratulations. I go, Jake? He goes, yeah. I said, congratulations? For what? Reinventing the DDT. Like, how big a fucking honor was that? Wow. That's, that's crazy. <laughs> you know, 
Uh, so like that to me was like winning the United States title. That's how that's how big a deal that was. Oh. Hayes too. Hayes too. That was like those two guys, you know, really, really fucking like calling you to say I was wrong and I was so glad I'm wrong. You know, and Jake saying, you're pulling off, dude. Just keep doing it. That is awesome, dude. Wow. Oh, Dallas, you are, you've been so generous with your time today. I, we can't thank you enough. And, you know, we want to wish you the, the success and health. And, you know, again, very grateful for everything that you've uh, given us today as far as your time is concerned. So thank you. That's my pleasure. You guys are fun to talk to. Uh, anybody who wants, like I said, you heard me say before, don't listen to a word I say about my program. Find that Facebook page. It's just DDP Yoga, one word. And uh, there's over 53,000 people on that damn site. So uh, you, you'll know you're there. <laughs> we'll share right. it as well. You know, yeah, we'll, we'll that'd be great. The link. Yeah, that'd be great. Yeah. And 30% uh, off, the only time you're going to get it right now. Go get the damn app. You don't have to pay for it. Try it out. Boys, it's been your pleasure. Thank you I'm so much. Here. See ya. Bang. <laughs> <laughs> All right, we're back. And that was Diamond Dallas Page. A special thank you to Diamond Dallas Page uh, and his crew for getting us. We had him for a total of 90 minutes. As you can tell, broken up into two hours. One of the few pro wrestlers who has been able to wrestle in WCW, WWE, Impact Pro Wrestling, and now AEW, he was a pleasure to listen to. M, probably one of our most enjoyable conversations that we've had so far in the in the young history of this program, being able to talk with the great Diamond Dallas Page. Yeah, that was like super awesome, man. And then, uh, I feel like I learned a lot. I'm actually already starting his uh, his his push ups, the 10 second push ups. I got a couple down. Uh, my, my arms are like spaghetti going up and down. So it's pretty cool, man. Like I said, there's a lot to learn and there's, there's a lot of information digest in this interview. Uh, I especially enjoyed the story about him losing his Hall of Fame ring and being able to uh, get it back just by going to the dentist and finding out that he had COVID. So <laughs> that was that's a very insane. Dude. That's an, It was an insane story. It certainly was. Real quick, let's pay some bills. Let's quickly check out BackSportsPage.com. You can find all the archives of the Cup Pro Wrestling Podcast right there. That's the home base of it. But, of course, you can listen to all the archives on Spotify, YouTube, iTunes, Google Podcasts, apparently SoundCloud and everywhere, wherever you can find your uh, podcast special. Thank you to our producer, Andrew Fume. He makes, makes us look and sound as good as we are. And of course, special thank you to my tag team partner, Emma Rito Rivera, buddy, we're lost without you. And I'll let you thank our last sponsor. Oh, level one games. <laughs> <laughs> Chat level one games at level one games.com. Pompton plains, New Jersey. Relive your past and take your game to the next future. Until next week, we are going to be here with Conrad Thompson, the podcast guru, the host of Something to Wrestle with Bruce Pritchard, 83 Weeks, The Orange Show, Grilling JR, and What Happened When with Tony Schiavone. Conrad is going to be with M and I. We're going to talk everything under the sun with him. But until then, my name is Randy Zellia. That's Emerito Rivera. That's your name. Emerito yeah. Rivera. We'll see you next week.